Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey, and I am absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to interview Melissa Lyons and Catherine Marshall, who are the enlightened authors of a remarkable new book titled Freedom Rising from Within, the ultimate guide to freedom and transformation from the inside out. By the way, could there be a book more in sync with the, with the mission of Grief and Rebirth podcast to encourage healing so that people can transform and live a more evolved life from the inside out? And it is certainly easy to understand why Melissa and Catherine are ideally suited to combine their gifts to inspire people to transform from the inside out. Melissa is a mind-body wellness coach, a best-selling author, and an inspiring keynote speaker whose programs, books, and group events have helped thousands of people identify and modify imbalances and misalignments that block happiness, health, and success creating an abundance of clarity and opening pathways to freedom, flow, and connection to life's purpose. Often described as compassionate, raw, and relatable, and I can testify to that, Melissa draws on her own vulnerabilities, experiences, and humility to reach and connect with people in deep and very meaningful ways. Her journey includes an MBA, decades of entrepreneurial and corporate business experience, a 30-month intensive self-realization sabbatical, and a heartwarming interview with me on Grief and Rebirth podcast about two of her best-selling spiritually evolved books. Be sure to check. I, I think it's two interviews I had with Melissa, so be sure to check them out. Catherine is a metaphysical energetic healer, a guide, and an author. For over 33 years, she has had a deep and diverse life history of personal transformation, transformative experience, which has been a rich training to facilitate the healing and raising of consciousness for thousands of individuals. Through one-on-one -on -one sessions, workshops, courses, and books, Catherine's passionate work alleviates suffering and inequality, which supports and nurtures her clients to awaken, hear, honor, and claim their soul power, divinity, and sovereignty. Catherine holds degrees in psychology and homeopathic medicine. Plus, she has extensive training and teaching experience in yoga, numerology, and several deep esoteric healing arts. I'm looking forward to talking with Melissa and Catherine about the transformative experiences each have had that led to collaborating on their remarkable new book, Why Some People Suffer More Than Others, What Freedom and Transformation from the Inside Looks Like on the Outside, How Healing from the Inside Out Changes a Person's Reactions to Triggers, and much more for what will surely be a very illuminating interview that will inspire us to find relief by healing ourselves from the inside out. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Melissa. Hello. A heartfelt welcome to Grief and Rebirth podcast. Hi, Irene. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's so great to see you again. And it's so great to have you here, Catherine, really, truly. And I can't wait for everyone to, to learn. In fact, I'm going to show them a picture of your really wonderful new, new book. So let's start with this question. 
Catherine, please tell us about the trauma you experienced when you were a child and the near-death experience that was your catalyst for writing, Freedom Rising from Within. And how old were you when you had this near-death experience? I was in my 30s with the near-death experience. Um, but from my childhood, when I was eight, my parents got divorced and that set into motion like a whole different kind of trajectory of my life. And there was a lot of events that happened after that, a lot of traumatic events. Um, I, I experienced a lot of trauma in that period of time. And then at age 14, I had 10 funerals that year. I had all my grandparents died. My best friend's dad died. Like there was a lot of which I witnessed and was a part of. So there was a lot of things that were happening in that year. At the same time, I was getting my abstract thinking coming online. So it really rocked me and, and it really kind of started me really questing and seeking out to understand why, like, what is death and this grieving process and, and then the suffering of it and why, you know, why do some people experience some things and other people don't? So this led me, you know, the, you know, the law of attraction, what you start but to But that energy. was so amazing. At 14, you were already questioning and seeking that. That's really kind of precocious in a way. Well, I think it, I think my kind of, you know, understanding of why looking back is because I think as my abstract thinking was coming online at the time I was going through all these griefs myself and experiences and observing other people and, and just the impact that that would have. And my own, I've always been very empathic and very sensitive to energy and, and myself feel very deeply. So it really was a big, you know, very, very big significant moment. And so I feel like that's why it was, you know, looking back, it was totally meant to be obviously it was part of my soul's plan. And it really started me on this path of really seeking deeper, which, you know, law of attraction, you start to seek something, it seeks you, and you start to give energy some to something. So, so that really put me on a path of um, just really unusual traumas and um, experiences, which led me into even deeper personal suffering and grief. So, wow. so that brought me to the near death experience. So I, when I was in my 30s, um, I had gotten pregnant. And this was my sixth pregnancy, none had ever come to fruition, like I always kept miscarrying or topics. And then this one was, um, I had twins, I was pregnant with twins. And in the first trimester, the first twin um, miscarried. So I was being monitored throughout it and then throughout the pregnancy. So I carried to full term, but right at the very end, um, through, through, through the process of this, on the test, there's things that kept showing up, but for some reason it wasn't followed up with, with the doctor. So it got missed. And again, part of the divine kind of order of what was supposed to happen. But what ended up happening was the first twin that, that miscarried, it didn't fully expel and it created an infection. And so that infection was brewing throughout the whole pregnancy unbeknownst to me. And that created um, something called obstetrical DIC, which is when you become, um, it become, you become almost septic, but your blood, you bleed out and you, and then the blood goes all to the organ. So the, um, so right at the end, what happened, how we found this out is that she actually, she, she was a stillbirth. So she, she died in womb. Um, and like right at the end, I was 36 weeks and she, um, so in the process, because I was full term, I had to deliver her in oh, the process. How traumatic. Of how traumatic. Yeah, very traumatic. Oh. Very, very, very traumatic. Very, very, like the whole thing was horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then in the process of delivering, I started hemorrhaging and bleeding out. So that's when they discovered, you know, I had had this, I had this DIC. So anyway, long story short, I was, um, I would like, they, they were calling in, I, they literally drained blood banks from other cities. They were pulling in to kind of try and keep me alive. And um, I was in surgery for several hours, like over eight hours. And, and they kept, um, they had to bring in like all these other doctors. They perforated my bladder in the process, knocked Ooh. out my tooth. There was this like crazy things that oh happened. And at one point, one of the doctors said to the one doctor, um, you can stop, like give up, you know, she's, you know, and, and she's like, I happen to have a woman doctor who I did. I hadn't had very good experiences um, leading up to this with a lot of the staff. So um, I had this beautiful nurse come to me and she really kind of asked me what I wanted and I kind of shared what I wanted. And so she, um, she brought me in this young, just graduated young female um, OB 
and she was so warm. And I, and I really attest, you know, this happening that she, um, she just wouldn't stop. She was just, you know, zealous, passionate. And she was just, you know, so I really attest that she played a, played a key role in it. So what ended up happening was- Not only uh, that physically, but emotionally, because it sounds like she was the only one who was really giving you support totally. and nurturing through this- Totally. Through this experience. Yeah, yeah totally. And like, I mean, other, like all these other doctors were called in and they were all, all kept saying to her, like, you know, stop. And she wouldn't stop. So somehow I made it through that first surgery and then I was in IC or I was in ICU and, um, and then I started hemorrhaging again and I was out, like I was like in a coma at this time, like I don't have any recollection of this, but, but, um, it wasn't good. Like they called in my family and then they, um, they literally, uh, I had my last rights given like all, like, you know, kind of right. And then at the rate, right at the last minute, something shifted and, um, and, and I did come, I did come back in and it's interesting because, so when I came out of it, um, you know, long story short, when I came out of it, um, came out of the coma a couple of days later, um, I was very different. I didn't have an experience where you see the light and, you know, have all of that. And I think my feeling on that is that, and, and I've worked with a lot of like different yogis and different people. Cause I need, I really wanted to understand like what happened here? Why did this happen? You know, I did a lot of deep researching and deep seeking in this. And, um, I did actually die and, um, requested life was granted it. And I feel that that is attesting to a lot of like my passion of, you know, supporting and, and, and helping others. And it's interesting because, um, at the end, you know, of this experience, I, I truly felt like if I had had this other kind of experience of seeing the light, I don't think I would have came back. So I feel, I feel that, um, you know, when I woke though, I was very, very different and it was a very long recovery, you know, long recovery physically, definitely emotionally. Um, and there were some definitely dark days after that. And also this kind of, you know, okay, this is really big. This happened. Why did this happen? Kind of thing. And so that was the real, real deep beginning of, I'd already been doing so much spiritual work. I was already um, involved in a lot of, and had experienced and myself was working in a lot of holistic as well as esoteric work. But this was different. Like, again, when I woke up, I was different. And it was really, it's really hard to explain that, but I woke up and I, I knew I was a different person and felt different and um, sought things differently. So that brought me into this deep kind of quest spiritually of really going deep, diving deeper into really wanting to understand um, in a deeper way, like nobody and nobody could answer this question, these questions for me. And my the interesting thing is every time throughout my life I had gone through an experience or a trauma, it brought me to some type of healing modality um, because that's how I healed. It was kind of like I needed to understand and I needed to heal you know, more than just the physical or more just than the emotional, like I needed to go deeper. And so each time I would go into a modality as part of my healing, that was just my path. And same thing here, I ended up diving really deep into um, a deeper dive into into yoga, kundalini yoga, and then that opened up to the um, soul healing and Akashic record healing and, you know, all of this. And then that's um, that's where I really started getting answers that brought true peace and healing to my heart. And then so that from the inside out. Totally. From the inside. So I want to ask you a couple of things. Did, were you told why? Because I'm going to relate a story of my own. Were you told why you did not have a specific memory? Because it happened to me also of your near death experience that I wouldn't come back if I, if I like, so I, it was enough. Like I, I would, um, and even after I had a hard time staying in my body, I had to really work hard to stay in my body and, um, and just, you know, dealing with that kind of trauma and loss too. Like, cause I lost, you know, I lost my uterus. I lost my baby. I lost. Did you lose both my, babies? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, so I truly was told and truly feel that if I had had, um, if I, if I had touched that, I definitely would not have come back. <laughs> wow. And you're, I'm sure those babies are all around you all totally. the time. Totally. Yeah, totally. I just really quickly, not to take away from this important interview with both of you, but um, those who watch, who are part of this podcast know that I had a spiritual awakening when my husband died next to me in this tragic car accident. And as the car was flipping four times, 
the first, uh, I got these profound messages before, during, and after they pulled me out of the car. And as the car was flipping, the second message I got was, he's not going to make it, you are. And I don't remember, but I have been told that at that moment, I had a near-death experience. And I was also given a choice to come back or not. And I know that I one of the reasons I chose to come back was to be here for my son. But I was also told that I was coded with this mission that all of us are listening to today because we're light workers and we have more to do and they need us on the planet. So it's so wonderful yeah. to meet a fellow journey, a fellow traveler. Yeah, very, very honored to meet you and to be Thank here. you. And, you know, whenever we talk like this, it validates your experience was real because now you're talking to me and I had a similar, yeah. very real experience, you know? Yeah. So now, Melissa, it is your turn. And I'd like you to please describe how your early path of people pleasing transformed when you turned inward to discover what was missing from your life. And I mean, does anyone, is anyone here listening a people pleaser? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, fellow light workers and empaths and highly sensitive people. Right. Right. We were all, we were all, we all went through some form of people pleasing, I believe. And so for me, it was just, trying to follow a path where I got validation and affirmation that I was doing something good because deeply inside, I didn't feel right. I felt like something was wrong, but on the outside, everything was okay. So talk about like, talk about listening, what you guys just went through right now for me, just reconfirmed one of the things that I've really dealt with through my life is that I didn't have a near-death experience I have not experienced true grief. I am so lucky, yet I felt like something was so wrong and something's been so missing in my life, having everything that the trauma in that of feeling so ungrateful, I think has been a darkness that I've carried my whole life. Like not being worthy of feeling this way, but not knowing how to move through it or what it is or what was wrong with me. So I think the people pleasing was the way that I could at least get validated that there was something good about me because someone liked what I was doing. And then I think, you know, then you do more and more of that. And then the more you people, please, the, the, you forget who you are. You lose yourself. You lose yourself. Process. I would submit to you that your healing sabbatical that you took was about healing your grief over the piece of you that you were not in touch with yet. Yeah, it possibly. And, and also just, yeah, the fact that I, I had, um, I just had built a life on empty goals and empty, empty dreams, just trying to find some, like some sliver of, of a purpose. Cause I, every time I, I, I wanted the job that had the most money, I wanted to go to school just so I could get a job with lots of money. Like all of the things that I did were about the outcome, rarely about the cause. I wanted that effect. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was a long time till I really understood yeah, what I had built up for so long around me, inside of me. You know what's so interesting? We keep talking about the the out, the inside out. When this all happened, which is actually when I met Catherine at first, and I and I went to her and said, I have no idea who I am. Like I, I I don't know myself. My husband doesn't know me. My parents, my kids, no one knows me because I don't know me. I had been I built a, a a business from the ground up for eleven years, a salon and medical spa, and it was very successful but deeply unfulfilling in the end because I was working from the outside in so now I see how it served me so well I had to really understand outside in before I could understand inside out that's fabulous though because that makes mm. it so um poignant and so um effective when you speak to other people because you've had about this because you've experienced it yourself and I think many people create a mask for themselves. I think Catherine, you'd relate to this, but also many people create a mask for themselves, which is about the outside, yeah. which doesn't reflect the inside. And oftentimes people perceive that something's off between the two, yeah. but unless you're right, unless you're more attuned and awakened, you don't really realize what it was and you weren't awakened yet. So you were perceiving it, but it, but it, you didn't have a name for it yet. Or an identifier yeah. for it yet. 
Yeah, I suppose. And you know, you also said that I wonder if you look back on your life and Catherine, I've had this conversation before. There were many times that I can remember one at eight, one at around 11 or 12, another time at 19 or sorry, 16, where there was a knock on the door to awaken, but I didn't know what it was. So of course you push it down, you push it away. You fear it. So I think that those of us who are awakened at whatever age we awakened was the right time, obviously, but it wasn't the first opportunity we had. And because we're brought up or, or we're such people pleasers, when we are faced with awakening, we go, what will people think if I'm speaking differently about this or looking differently about this? It takes a lot of courage to awaken and live in your truth. I would say. So speaking of that, Catherine, could you share the answers you found in, re in response to your lifelong quest to understand death, grief, suffering, and why do some people suffer more than others? My understanding and kind of what I discovered and, and we talk about in the book is that the soul will choose, and there's a, we could talk a lot about this, so I'm going to try and summarize this as um, kind of effectively as possible the soul chooses well, they'll find out more in the book right exactly yeah the soul chooses uh classrooms we call them and those classrooms are specific events or specific traumas or you know every, anything really can be can be kind of related to as a classroom a relationship is a classroom it's basically what what is the background or the opportunity of our learning growing and healing and soul's main mission is that is learning growing and healing and as we incarnate into a planet like earth earth school is um has been a school of polarity meaning in spirit form all we know is love and light so how much do we actually know it if we don't have a reference against it and that's the premise of very courageous souls any soul who incarnates on earth is is incredibly courageous to come here because it is a very intense tough school it's considered it certainly the is of all it certainly yeah. is yeah. So those classrooms or experiences um, are the are the background to bring us into alchemy. That's the transformation. So it's like grief is one, considered one of the most heart openers. So people like that's why there's so much suffering and grief on our planet. And um, and in grief, so the more suffering, for example, we've had, the more compassion we have potential to birth or the more um, grief we've experienced, the more joy we have an opportunity to birth. But that's where our transformation comes in. Our transformation is, you know, often we'll have an experience that awakens us or it makes us kind of really stop and really, um, you know, it changes our life or it changes something within us. And then that's where the journey begins of taking that quality vibration of like grief, suffering, pain, and then moving it, alchemizing it into something that is makes sense, meaningful, purposeful, you know, from this perspective, um, things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And I know that if, you know, if anyone here is listening to this and, and in extreme grief and suffering at this current time, I know that this can be very, maybe abrasive to hear. Um, and, and so, you know, kind of wherever you're, wherever you're at in your transformation or your process invitation is just be real and raw about where you're at. But the, the whole premise from a soul perspective is that it's this, you know, having this experience and then what's the opportunity or the growth in it. Additionally, there's unresolved energies um, potentially that we need to um, address or flush out or process, but ultimately the highest purpose is this, is this heart opening, soul connecting, finding this deeper meaning and purpose and awakening to our true divine presence and our true sovereignty, um, which is then when we really start to align and awaken to that, we don't have the same experiences of pain, grief or suffering or, and or we can hold a space of compassion and light um, and an incredible understanding and love um, for others around us and for the planet. I I think that I mean if some people like if I think about Ukraine I mean these poor people yeah. in Ukraine some people suffering is foisted on them but even in a situation like Ukraine people have and I I think would you girls agree with me people have choices so if you make the choice to stay in your swamp of suffering and keep your attitude there or you make the choice I'm going to find out what you've done and Melissa's done and I've done how, what do I do? Where do I go to heal some of this so that I can lift this internal 
stress. Yeah. Some of it, at least from me. I think that some of it, that can relieve suffering through some of the choices that people make. Would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we can't always control everything. You know, how many times have we heard that adage? And it's, you know, my experience, 1000% true. We cannot control everything. And, and this is a dynamic, you know, school where we're always intermingling with um, other energies, other people, other people's programming, you know, that is huge, but we always do have a choice within us, what we want to do with it and what we want to do, how we want to perceive it. And that can be a process too, in and of itself, that it's not just, I'm going to choose it and then I'm going to feel different. It's about being able to go within and say, you know, what can I do with this energy or or this feeling or this emotion or this situation? And how can I start to work with it rather than my learning from it and all of that? If you get a, a soul overview more than kind of being living your life in the trenches, right? Exactly. Which is what you, we we did, right? So, yeah. right? So Catherine, with that, okay, how do, does Catherine look different from transforming from the inside out? How does, it, how does it make a person on the outside come across differently when they transformed from the inside out? What does that look like? Um, what is that, what does freedom and transformation from the inside look like on the outside? I mean, can you walk down the street and go, Oh, she transformed. No, he didn't transform. You know, how, how does that look? I actually do feel that you can feel that with people, um, actually. And I feel like, you know, the more we have transformed, the more our light is able to come through and the more, um, the more heart centered we can be, the more calm or peaceful we can be, the more understanding connected we can be. Um, the more we know ourselves. So we're able to have the courage and the grit to be able to um, express our soul's guidance and express ourselves in a way where there's not the masks or we don't have to people please, or we're able to really live in a more expressive, but, but more beautiful, deep way, meaningful way. And we, and we spread the light and we touch other people also with our light, right? Melissa, and then Catherine, can each of you tell us about the healing modalities? Catherine's mentioned a few of them you've benefited from that have helped you transform from the inside out. And we have a lot of healing modalities on the podcast and all. Which ones work for each of you? Well, for me, uh, the the one that transformed me the most was the one I resisted the most. (laughs) So for anyone who can relate to that, that thing that that we resist is often our biggest and um, most beautiful messenger. And so I started to journal. I'd been told over the years from different mediums and people that I needed to write. And I always thought they meant write a book. And I thought I have no interest in writing a book. And then when they said, well, no, it's journaling. And, and I remember Catherine really got me going on this. And I still didn't like the idea because I didn't really want my truth on paper. And it's therapeutic, right? It, because your higher self starts to come through and you learn, you learn how to channel that infinite wisdom. Uh, but it's scary because... Most of my life, I spent not wanting to die, but definitely not wanting to live. So I felt like I was in this, this place with one foot in, in two sides. So journaling, uh, by the time I, I got through that initial uh, resistance, really, uh, yeah, it just, it, it, changed. it was like I got, I got struck by lightning almost. It didn't happen that fast, but looking back, it was very fast. But in the moment, it was just starting to just write words or, or write a rant or just be random and not, not worry about things, you know, and be willing to, to destroy or burn what you've written so that if you have that fear of being honest, you get rid of the evidence. And, and that really opened me up to understand that, that I, I got it. I, I finally met myself for the first time through my wow. journaling. Wow. Wow. Did it take you, did you journal at the same time every day or just whenever the mood hit you or how, how was the process for you? And was it over a long period of time until you really started getting in touch with yourself through it? Yeah, I did. Well, you mentioned in the introduction that I had a 30 month uh, self-realization sabbatical that started out with three months. And um, again, it's just, such a it's an honor to be with you and with Catherine together because both of you have helped me have molded and shaped me along my journey and so when I when I started with Catherine we I gave myself three months and even my family three months just for me to journal to meditate which I had, didn't have a practice of meditation and to read and my family was on board I sold my business and I was still like so like unhappy but I 
accomplished all my goals, you know, that stuff. And my husband said to me, are you ever going to be happy? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. Probably not. Cause I don't even know what that means. So anyway, they, they gave me this, this free pass to do this. And three days into it, I was so overwhelmed with guilt because here are my, my, you know, 18 and 20 year old daughters and my husband working and they're all like slugging it out in the house, doing their, all of the work and I'm doing nothing. And I couldn't handle that. So that was the first part of that. So I journaled around that. Like, why do I feel that I'm not worthy of this time? And how about, about not being worthy of, which I learned from the accident, how not being worthy of the gift of people loving you and taking care of you for a while. Because one of the things that I learned with the accident is that I had four major surgeries and I had to cede my independence to other people who were helping me in my life. And here you had this loving family that was helping you and you hadn't given yourself permission to love yourself and not yet to let that in. Yes, and you and I have talked about this before too over the years. It's like, it's very hard to allow yourself to be nurtured. Yes. Because you're such a, often we're all such nurturers. We don't always know how to receive. So, so yeah, so that was the process. And I had three months to do this. And, and so I did it. And, but I had my MBA attitude about this spiritual quest I was Your on. Your left brain was operating well. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the three months, you know, I was really pissed off. I was angry. I was frustrated. It wasn't what you think. I was like, what do you mean? I did everything I was supposed to do. And so the the lesson there was the harder you try, the longer it's going to take. This is a process of surrendering. It's like, oh, I hate that word. (laughs) I don't hate it now. But at the moment, I'm like, stop saying that word. So, So yeah, so that's how I kind of let go. You kind of had to let go. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the process. So those three months, then they, they turned into 30 months until I will always love you was like divinely downloaded and channeled um, on, to my shock and surprise and delight. That's right. That was the process of journaling. So that I think was the number one and working with someone understanding that we don't have to do this alone and it doesn't have to be hard. So working be. with someone was like a, a healer. Catherine, it was oh, Catherine. Okay. Yeah. She was, she was your, so that's why person. it's so beautiful. I also that had a person when I was going through my journey. Go ahead. Well, sorry. Well, I'm just saying that that's what's so beautiful though. Here we are together. And I'm telling you a story from 2014, you know, like almost 10 years ago now. And um, it's just, it's just beautiful. She's helped. I can't believe my darkness up from the light. inside out. She's actually helped you do this. Totally. Totally. So that leads me to you, Catherine. Uh, what healing modalities you talked about numerology and um, yoga and what other meditation meditation yeah so yoga yoga and meditation and um, a modality called SRT which means spiritual response therapy and that's where you go into the Akashic records and and you know there's clearing clearing out the programming so for me it was really about understanding the more I, I have that kind of, I'm a seeker, I want to understand something. And then when I can understand it, then it, I can alchemize it or I can move it. And then I can come into my heart in a deeper way of, um, I can alchemize the pain of it. And so, um, so SRT was huge. And that's why, again, numerology or yoga or meditation, meditation, you know, kind of connecting with my soul or connecting with spirit or connecting with something more than myself and being able to calm myself enough that I could um, that I could hear that or that I could get comfortable enough in my own body and my own skin to stay in my body. And um, and then numerology and astrology, especially, too, because um, I needed to I wanted to really understand what my blueprint was. Um, I wanted to, uh, you know, as much information and understand it as I could. And so for me, understanding has always been pivotal. It's been one of the most probably sought after qualities or um qualities that resonated the most with me to really look into. So that's, that's predominantly what I've been in. I still, to this day, do a lot of different things. I, I love sound therapy, um, you know, still body stuff, reflexology, things like that. Um, but, and, and even nature, like spending time in nature and just actually nature, especially after uh, that significant trauma, I would literally just spend hours um, sitting at a river under a willow tree and just, you know, kind of just like nature is the biggest healer. And I completely have attested to that. And just, you know, if I hadn't had that opportunity to 
be in that space. Like it was a very beautiful gift that I had um, to be able to be in that nature setting um, in my healing and definitely feel like nature was pivotal. A lot of people refer to nature as being something very grounding for them. I'm, you know, there are, people are even told hug a tree yeah. because it's so <laughs> grounding. So how do each of you react? Okay, we all still, we do our healing, but we have from our traumas and everything, we all still get triggered. And so, you know, something will set us off. So some people get set off and they shoot someone in road rage. Someone else gets set off and now they've learned because they're, healing from the inside out to handle the trigger in a different way. How does that work for each of you? How do you handle that? You must still get triggers, but do you process them differently now with the work that you've done? Go ahead, Catherine. So definitely I feel I'm not as triggered anymore. Um, I'm not as triggered, you know, in a, a lot of ways where I used to be, because um, my understanding is that when we have a trigger, it's because there's unresolved energy or something within our own subconscious that is responding. And that is the trigger. So for me, I've through the work have been able to now when I do still have a trigger and I still have triggers, they're less or I have the ability to go faster within and, and be able to remove myself from the story or remove myself from what somebody did or what they said and be able to bring it back to myself. This is an indication for me about me and be able to go within my own self and say, okay, I'm because most of the time what we are vibing out, we're not aware of we're, you know, it's very subconscious. So learning how to read the external responses or, or energies or whatever, whatever in my environment is an opportunity for me to go within and say, why is this showing up? This is indicating something that is, you know, operating from my vibration and my subconscious. So getting curious about that and being able to bring it back within. And the minute we do that, uh, right there, it starts to move the energy, that awareness and that ability to really bring it back into self, which is a process learning how to do that. But once we do that, um, then we have the opportunity to start to move the energy, we start to be able to bring into awareness what has been hidden from us so that we can move it, feel into it, transmute it or transform it, whatever needs to. And then we have that space to be able to open up and choose how do I now want to respond? How do what do I now want to align with or to experience? So um, so I, you know, learning how to move that trigger to something positive. And to something, you know, more prolific, something more right. life-giving versus it sounds suffering. like you don't personalize it anymore. So when the trigger right. comes, you don't personalize it. You look at it as what is this showing me about myself? What am I supposed to learn from it? Yeah. Melissa, is your experience similar to that? Or do you have something to add to that? Yeah, well, it's it's similar, obviously, uh, because of all the work that I've done with Catherine. And we have a chapter on the book that as as the book was um being completed, it really moved me ahead. I think that when we get to teach things, our learning becomes like exponential. And one of the things when I was teaching intuitive journaling or a type of journaling to a group of grade sixes at one point, I remember saying to them, when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. And then all <laughs> of a sudden that became like one of my favorite sayings. The second that we feel any kind of yuckiness, we're really lucky because it means our, our emotional guidance system is working. And we're, we are now not aligned with our soul's plan. And that's why we're feeling yucky. And so then you have what Catherine, how Catherine described is that invitation to come back to what is this about? Is this really about me? What do I want? Like, what do I intend for this? And, and then, yeah, it just, it, it starts to take care of itself. You still go through the process, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little bit more fun, you know, than it used to be. It's never really fun, but more fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Catherine, I want to ask you also, and we, I just, Grief and Rebirth just had a summit about this. We are, our vibration as a planet is ascending from the 3D to 5D. So we're having this tremendous paradigm shift. And it's a, a transformation that is going on on the planet. Could you explain for everyone who's saying, what in the world are they talking about? The differences between our current paradigm and the incoming one. And explain how these differences relate to the insights you share and freedom from within. Definitely. So this is a really big shift about around every 2200 years, we have a paradigm shift. And this is, you know, how we've been evolving as a human species and how the planet's been evolving. 
And this particular one is considered extremely unique and historical because we're literally leaping, we're, we're going through an evolutionary leap. So the, it's almost like literally, the, if, it, if this was a game, um, it's like we're now literally all the rules are being changed. The whole background or terrain that we've been navigating previously is now completely going to be changing and is in process of transformation. So the previous paradigm was very much based on survival consciousness. And that's why the ego was so forefront. And the ego, that's why we, we talk a lot in the book about becoming a soul infused personality, because in the previous paradigm, there was so much suffering. Um, there was so much, you know, just trying to stay alive, which set up so much inequality, injustice, competitiveness, me against them, protectiveness. And because the ego's main role is to keep us safe, keep us alive. Well, now we're now we're going into a higher density, a higher frequency. So 3D, oh, previous paradigm was considered 3D, three dimensional. Which is what why you see all the chaos on the planet now, right? right. And so all this is getting kind of expunged, right? We're in a destabilizing period right now, and that's happening for a couple of reasons. One of them is part of the awakening process for people, um, but it's also fleshing out a lot of the old energy that um, that's always been there. The, you know, this deep pain or injustice or you know suffering or oppression. Um, it's always been there. It just it's coming up in order for the new higher energies and frequencies to come in, and and the you know what we'll be building next, and and over you know several hundred years. It's kind of like this part is the is probably the stickiest part and the most chaotic part because it's trying to, it's kind of like we're trying to tear down a house and rebuild a house kind of at the same time but but what has been underneath does have to come up. So, you know, there's a lot of healing that's going on individually and there's a lot of healing that's flushing out of out of the earth and of the collective consciousness. Um, so that's definitely part of what we're seeing now. And as we move into more as we awaken, the whole point of, of this too is that we start to awaken and then we, as we go inward, so we have been trained to go outward because we were in survival. So we had to always constantly being, you know, focused on the outer. But now in, we're going into 5D, fifth dimensional, very higher frequency. And thankfully, it's going to be one where we're heart centered and heart guided and heart led. And so that's where we're really going to start to see. Um, as we go within, we start to activate our soul's divine blueprint. And each of us have our own divine blueprint. And that blueprint um, has our own unique path. And, our, and it's our highest path of fulfillment because it's what we're here to really express and align with and how we serve, wh what we serve from. It's kind of where our purpose and our gifts and our abilities come, you know, come from. So we have to go within, though, in order to tap into that for ourselves uniquely and be able to honor that. And again, we've been trained very differently. So the more we go within, the more we cultivate that, the more we start to understand what our soul is guiding us to do through resonance and being able to then have that ability to start to express it. And that's how we create the outer because in the new paradigm, uh, the outer is a reflection of the inner, not the other way around, but we're trained to focus on the outer, to right. feel something on the inner. But, you know, that's um, now that's the, that's one of the rule changes, like, as, you know, as far as rules go, I don't like the, the term rules, but, but you know, it, I mean. but it, you know, it, what really impacted me because you have this um, chapter on resonance yeah. is the fact that I think when you um, start to identify more with a soul, with with your soul than with the ego, it does remove judgment. So you talk about that um in your in your chapter about resonance so tell us please how does the soul speak to us through resonance and how does honoring our inner resonance remove judgment and how does the body respond when it's in resonance i mean you have this wonderful chapter all about that in your book well, resonance is, um, and it can feel a little bit different for each of us. So we have to kind of know, you know, what that means for us individually. But generally, it's when something really will feel right for us or aligned for us, or our body will respond generally more expansive versus contracting or versus in protection mode. And it does take out the judgment because uh, it, the new paradigm is coming out of that polarity, you know, we're still going to have we're still going to have um, emotions and things, but it's, it, you know, when we're honoring our soul's divine blueprint, we're giving ourselves the freedom to honor and express that through the resonance 
And we're also honoring and allowing other people to have that same freedom to honor their own. So we're, we're going to be moving into what's called one consciousness. And that doesn't mean we're all going to be conforming and feeling and looking the same way. It means that we're still going to be, be diverse, but we're unifying respecting that each person has their own soul, which is their own divine spark and light and being able to respect and honor that what they're being called to do or what I'm being called to do is, is what our own individual soul is guiding us to do. And from that is how we're going to then create this whole bigger, beautiful, loving, kind, just, compassionate, caring world. The soul, the more aligned we are with our soul too, and the more we're honoring this resonance, then the more we know that the soul, well, the soul will never guide us to harm or to separation consciousness. It will never guide us to fear or guide us to harm. Um, it always has the highest care and the highest, you know, um, compassion and purpose for creating life, life giving things or for creating more care. It cares about life, cares about all beings. It cares about the earth, it cares about everything. So so this resonance, you know, it, it, there is a difference between fear and non-resonance. And so again, it's kind of like, is this resonating with me? Is my body responding in a, in a light way? I feel, and that, and, and the reason why I'm saying this um, non-resonance, because sometimes we can resonate with something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the easiest path or the easiest way sometimes we have to have a lot of courage to be able to honor our soul and but the more we align and connect to our soul the more we have the courage um because we're get, we're starting to gain the spirit the soul strength spirit essence um there's such a there's such a present and an expansion in that so resonance you know is really about feeling um, for yourself when you're really guided to do something, even if everybody else around you thinks you're crazy or, you know, doesn't, it doesn't logically make sense, or you've been conditioned or trained that this isn't how we do it. But if you don't really feel like this is what's really right for me, and there's just this inner calling or just this inner kind of voice or a nudge that won't kind of leave me be. Um, so that's where, again, you, you mentioned earlier about this inner and outer kind of aligning. And that's, that's what we're really stepping into is when there's an incongruency between how we really feel inside and how we're expressing ourselves on the outside. If we're not honoring what's on the inside, we won't feel good. And that's going to show it builds up a lot of resentment and it builds up and it can express itself in the body also. Sometimes we get sick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that brings me to another subject that um, you speak about beautifully in your book, which is the subject of the famous word codependency. You hear people talk about that all the time. So would you please educate all of us because you speak about this in your book. What is a codependent loop and what is the difference between codependency and interdependency? And this, after this conversation, about a trillion people are going to change their relationships with their significant others. So let's talk about the difference between codependency and interdependency and what that codependent loop is like, because I'm sure that's familiar to a lot of people. No, Jan, do you want to go, Melissa? I'll just start by saying one thing. People-pleasing, that's a perfect example of a codependent relationship with every person in your life. It's not, people go quickly to think it's about alcohol or drugs or supporting something. No, people-pleasing is a classic example for our audience. Yeah, no, yeah. no Catherine, you, you explain it so eloquently. Please go. Yeah, no, that's like people-pleasing is the core of codependency. Um, anytime we're doing something that just doesn't feel right for us, you know, and it could even be as simple as I'm really tired tonight and I don't want to go out um, for this dinner but we go or we don't honor it, then that's, that drains us. We're not, we're not being authentic or honoring, you know, our own inner guidance or what really feels okay for us or best for us. And the old, the previous paradigm was based on codependency. That's why it's so prevalent for us, for all of us, we're all dismantling codependency in some way. And especially as empaths or sensitives, um, we tend to actually be a little bit more in codependency. It's definitely tends to be more of our process because, we want to help. We want to heal. We want to, you know, we want to, we can feel other people's displeasure. We can feel other people's pain so much. So, you know, we are constantly trying to, um, to help them. 
But it, but really, if, until we learn how to really honor our own self, then the codependent loop happens. And that's about somebody asks us or to do something or we're in this dynamic. We do it. It doesn't feel good. And then and then we don't feel good. And that builds up resentment. And then that resentment builds and that's building up in the subconscious. And then we have a blowout, either an inner blowout or an outer blowout that comes and goes on, you know, beyond kind of our conscious awareness. And then we feel terrible about it. And that's so that's when guilt comes in. And then we want to appease the guilt. So we get then try and make up to the person or the situation um, that we feel like we did something bad with or wrong with. And that just keeps happening. And, and it just gets more and more painful and more and more uncomfortable for us. Because the reality with interdependency is that we cannot, we can nobody else outside of us can fulfill our own cup. And that could be, you know, if I don't feel loved or lovable, the only person who can fulfill that wound or fill that space or fill that area within me is me. And same for all of us. So until we've learned to go within and really kind of um, be raw and courageous and honest with what our stuff is, and we all have stuff, we all have something. So until we have the courage to go within, though, we'll keep trying to seek something from outside of us, whether that's love, whether that's worthiness, validation, um, you know, status, like whatever it is. So when we start to go within and we start to heal these wounds, address these wounds, move this energy, start to really um, meet ourselves and know who we are in a deeper way, not just, a, you know, not an intellectual way, but a real just deeper way, then that love for ourselves starts to really rise and come through. And that's where we start to enter into interdependency, which is when it starts to get really good, because interdependency is about being able to honor somebody else's process, knowing they're in their process, we're in our own process, and we're not seeking anything, we're not needing anything from another person, we're not trying to drain another person. And we're not also allowing that to happen um, to us as well, or, you know, around us. So in that, we, what happens is we're, we're then able and when I say need, we're human beings, we're social creatures, we need each other, I don't mean it in that way, I mean it in trying to fill a void, because then it becomes almost, um, we're, we're siphoning somebody else's energy or they're siphoning our energy. So when it's interdependency, we, we know we can regulate our own emotions. We know how to address our own triggers. We know that we need to come within our own self if, if we're being triggered with something. And then from that space, then we can have inspired conversations or we can have, we have inspired action but we're honoring and we're able to support each other in our process without the needing for somebody else to fix something or give us something or us to them. And that's when we can really come into the vibrations in, in relationship of real deep love, real deep connectivity and meaning and um, compassion and love. And that's where the depth can come in because the true depth can't come in if there's that codependency energy dynamic going on truly. That's beautiful. And, and they can, and I have to say, there's a lot more about that in your book. It's really worth reading. And is there anything else in your book that you'd like to share with us? Before, you know, any other chapters or topics or anything about it that you'd like people to know? I'd like people to know that it's so much more than a book. And, and this is how it, it, it came into its existence as, as an idea of something that begins with a book but it's not just reading a book. You know, when you go to a great conference or a retreat and you come out and you're so different and you're ready to like live this new life. And then three or four days later, everything comes back at you and you've got all the balls in the air and life goes on. So this book is, it's got the book itself. It's got the journal included in the book, as well as guided meditations and, and reflective journaling prompts and things like that. But we also have a website or a, like a webpage available where the guided meditations are actually live done by Catherine recorded live done by Catherine. And then we built a community around it as well, because it's an embodiment process. You read it and then you have to become it right. We're not, it's no longer the Nike, just do it. It's now the hey, it's time to be it. And so we've, we've built a whole process around that where people can come and be part of the community and begin to make it part of your life as you transform and, and become um, soul infused. 
That's beautiful. So, yeah. So that's the part that I think is really exciting about this book is that it's so much more than the book. It's an invitation to step into this next chapter of your life, into this new paradigm. So it provides people with a rich experience. It's not yeah. just that they read and they discard. They can really live the tenets, yeah. live, live the principles that you're teaching them in it. And Melissa, speaking of living the tenets you're teaching, you've talked about that the ways your children are navigating their lives have actually improved because of the concepts in your book. So people who read your book may even change the way they are relating to their children. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's so powerful. And you know, most of the people I believe I'm going to make this assumption that many of us are empaths and highly sensitive, which we've already said. And the day that I learned I was an empath, like you, Irene, my life changed. But the day that I found out and came to the realization that both of my girls were very highly sensitive and empathic, then my parenting changed. And so this book actually takes you to all the depths and levels of how do you allow something that you're guiding, excuse me, to now be guided by their own soul and their own path and their own calling. And you honor their path as you honor your own. And it's, it's having, just having the, the faith that, that, that is that is how they can become their highest and truest selves by honoring their own blueprints and, and stepping back. So the book really helps you become comfortable with letting go. That's wonderful. And you're not seeing them as much as an extension of you. You're seeing them as an individual with their own soul and their own soul path, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, you, you know, I now... Always we have, but I'm more aware that I learn as much, if not more from my children than they learn from me. And that's the beauty of all of this, right? It's that we all, um, it's the interdependent relationships that Catherine described. It, it becomes so powerful and so, um, so beautiful. Talk about building joy in your life. Like that builds joy, like in a, in a remarkable way. So your family is probably very, very happy now because you are, you are finding happiness and joy within yourself, which eluded you for a while. Yeah. And you know, and they witnessed it through the years. I mean, their whole lives that I've come in and out of different moments and, and I've been dark for, for days, months, and even years. And they've seen me go through different career paths as I try to find that thing that brings me joy. So I think by witnessing my, like, I didn't hide any of the, any of it from them. So they themselves have the courage to follow their heart and dreams so that they know that it, they feel resonance. Now they, they've been under the tutelage of Catherine as well, which is what a gift when you've got empathic children, it's really great if you can give them access to tools so that they can find their way. That's beautiful. It sounds like you've just defined uh, the importance of healing and transforming from the inside out, right? Catherine, would you like to add anything to that? Not, I think that was beautifully said. I think that the minute that we can start to really honor another being, whether it's a child or a person, that they have their own soul plan and pathway, and we can start to nurture that and cultivate that and support that. And I feel like that's when that's when um, we all and they can start to really express their highest potential. And that, that is where that's, you know, just, yeah, heart centered. And that's where love and the light can really truly express. Can you imagine if the people are walking the planet and they've all, they've all released the old stuff and they're walking around honoring each other's soul and their highest potential What a different world this would be. And can I just comment on that actually? Sure. Because because that's truly how we are going to create in this new paradigm. That's truly how we are going to create the new is through our own inner transformation and our transformation. When we transform, we facilitate transformation for the collective. So we really are going to be doing this from the inner because the, the outer is a reflection of our inner. You know, like as Gandhi says, we really do have to become the change that we wish to see in the world. Absolutely. So now everyone wants to go. Melissa, did you want to say something else? Yes, I do. Catherine has in, in our introduction to our book, there's a beautiful statistic to share. And this will change how every person feels about their own ability to change the world. Share it, Catherine, will you? So one person holding a frequency of love counterbalances 750,000 who are holding a frequency of pain or grief or anger or frustration or rage. Oh my goodness. 
-hmm. one person. So that's the power when we start going into higher frequencies, like that's why, that's why the inner and the outer, um, is transformative because we're in the inner, we transform and we are able to hold these higher frequencies and the frequency does the work. We just, we just need to heal. We just need to move this energy. We just need to align to love or align to compassion or, and I'm not saying that I know it's a process, but that's the power of it. And then the, and then the frequency does all the work. Where'd you find that awesome statistic? That's fantastic. Yeah, that's from Dr. David Hawkins work. So yeah, all his work is, it's, um, he's been, there's continued people. He's now longer on, no longer on the planet with us, but his work has been dedicated towards um, this and measuring this. And so um, highly recommend that you dive into his work and still being done today. And that's wonderful. Okay. I mean, everyone, I would, go ahead, Melissa. Can I say one thing. I would like to do the math. So you've touched hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives through your podcast, raising the vibration, and you've hold, held a frequency of love for so long. How many millions of people have you already affected through this process? It's amazing. I have to Probably be honest. billions. I, I honestly, and with great humility, because, you know, the podcast is now in 17 countries and people are sharing it. It's one of the most shared podcasts and followed podcasts. And I really think it's because a lot of people are finding out they can awaken and they can leave their other paradigms behind, you know, which is wonderful. And you two are part of the blessings of bringing the messages, all these messages out to people, which is, of course, I'm living my sole purpose and my blueprint. So now everyone wants to buy your book. And how can they connect with you, get your book, and you have a special offer for everybody today? We do. So our contact information is in the show notes, as well as a link to a special gift we have. Um, As I was mentioning that we are working with people to help them embody the teachings and the lessons of this book. We have a a community that is online and we have an Akashic clearing for a group every single month. Yes. So, and as a group, when the Akashic records are cleared, it's actually even exponential than when we're one-on-one and it's a themed, um, a themed uh, clearing that Catherine pulls through. And that's always in the first Saturday of the month. And then we have a shared wisdom workshop that has meditations and reflections and journaling prompts that is on the first of the month. And then on the third Tuesday of the month, we have an alignment check-in where we like, how are we doing? Where, where are we being pulled out of our center? What do we need to ground ourselves? This plus many other resources are available. So we have two months free available for your audience through the link. And should they be interested in coming to check it out? Should they uh, reach out to a certain um, email address and should they maybe put in the subject line grief and rebirth or something so you know who they are and how they came to you? How's that going to work for them? The link that you have in your show notes will will send them from grief and rebirth right to us. And then they, they, they sign up. And they can, you can cancel at any point. So you'll, you'll be required to come in and join our community. And then your first two months are free and you're free to stay or go after those two months. It's up to you. Oh, they'll want to stay. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and tell me each of you, what's your, what's your tip for finding joy in life? Who wants to go first? Okay. Um, well, for my experience with it is um, peace is the gateway to joy. And so cultivating peace, peace, peace within, peace within the heart, peace within the mind, peace within the environment that, you know, we're in as much as possible. And then that, that peace cultivates joy and then joy can start to birth and express. And um, I also feel like just, you know, starting to give permission for joy. Um, we've, we've been conditioned to be so heavy and so much in this suffering. And there's still so much heaviness and suffering, obviously, on the planet and, and within our um, you know, relationships or our lives. So giving self permission to be joy, and that could be just, you know, being silly, being playful, dancing, singing, it could be calling forth your playful, imaginative, wonderful, wondrous, curious inner child. Um, it's just really finding like what what joy is for each of us individually, and then just starting to really be open to it. And, and, and if you know, if, if one is really in deep grief, that can feel really far off. So it's just sometimes setting the intention that I'm open to, right. I'm open to joy. 
But deep grief doesn't necessarily cancel out joy. You can have grief and joy at the same time. You can be suffering and still, I learned that in my life when I was grieving that I could still have moments of tremendous joy. Yeah. Which I was agree. a big surprise for me, right? So do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Your tip? My tip. Well, my intention um, every day now is to be with, either working towards or be within unconditional happiness, meaning anytime that I don't feel like I'm happy about something, recognizing if I've, if my happiness rests on something external from me. So an outcome or a response from somebody else or from my external conditions, uh, just really separating that and reminding myself, like Catherine said earlier, that all the transformation comes from within. So since I didn't know what happiness was at one point in my life, sticking with unconditional happiness as my intention really helps me a lot. And I've never felt more joy in my life than like every day. It seems to get a little bit better. I don't Isn't really understand wonderful? and I don't want to ever stop, but it's like cumulatively getting better and better and better and better. Your path is working. You signed up for this and it's working. It's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just want to say that Catherine, Melissa, thank you for helping people to cultivate and create peace from within by inspiring them to have the courage to heal their wounds and traumas, blocking that peace through this illuminating book, Freedom, Rising from Within, The Ultimate Guide to Freedom and Transformation from the Inside Out. And I thank you both from my heart for this touching, wise, and very healing interview today. And here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you're watching here on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe so you will never miss an episode. As I like to say, to so be continued. Many blessings. And bye for now. Mm-hmm.